Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Joining me each and every Saturday makes the pandemic a little bit nicer, even though it is a miserable experience. But 2021 will be much better, and Steve Paulette and I will still be here every Saturday morning. And thanks for telling your friends and your family. At 8:15, calling in from North Carolina is Tanya Pictor. She started a company that makes socks. Fascinating. And they are fantastic socks. The name of the company is called Balega, B-A-L-E-G-A. Thanks to the great Jared Abrams for tracking her down. And we'll be talking to her about the company that she started, making these socks for runners and for workers. A lot that goes into making socks. But it made me think all week. Socks. What a fascinating subject in the world of art, the world of sports, in the world of surgery. In the world of sports, and I thought about the power of socks. It's not just something that's covering your feet. There's more going on to the garment. What do I mean? Because when I think about socks and I think about sports, I think about Coach John Wooden. And from Bill Walton to Kareem, to whoever played for him, they always talk about how crazy and ridiculous their very first practice with him was. Here they are, all American high schoolers. They're the best basketball players in their states coming to UCLA. And the very first practice, Coach John Wooden says, we're going to talk about basketball tomorrow. Right now, we're going to talk about how to put your shoes and socks on. And these guys are amazed that he he's thinking that I don't know how to put my shoes and socks on. But that's exactly what John Wooden was, was saying to them. Fellas, you think you're so good? Let me tell you something. You don't even know how to put your shoes and socks on. It's a power trip. It was the way that he could get to them and say, listen, preparation is everything to me. One of the Wooden pyramid items is failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And the fundamental way you get started is literally putting your uniform on. And there's a right way and a wrong way to put your shoes and socks on. So you better listen to me about everything beyond basketball, preparing for life. And it's, it starts with the shoes and socks. It's him pointing out to them, I'm your teacher, I'm your coach, and it's going to be all about preparation. Let's listen to Marcus Johnson, who played for Coach Wooden from 74 to 77. You'll then hear Doug McIntosh, who played for Wooden from 1964 to 1966. These are all Americans, but they're talking about the power of putting your socks on with Coach John Wooden at UCLA. Number one. He really taught us uh, the, the basics in every facet of the game. It started with putting on your socks. Cotton on the inside, put that on first, smooth it out very carefully, make sure there's no bubbles in it, uh, and then put on a heavy wool sock over it. There was no, no uh, room for, for them to get wrinkled underneath your feet so you get blisters, but also how to tie your shoe. Number two. His main concern with the doing our shoes was to avoid blisters. And it's funny because I have a 12-year-old that I, <laughs> I just had to, you know, re-instruct for the 20th time on how to tie his shoe. Lace them up from the bottom up, make sure there's no slack. You know, his, his shoes always come loose during the game. Dude, dude, tie your shoes up. So he started just tying them haphazardly. I said, no, 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 you got to start at the bottom, pull each shoestring up two at a time, tight, 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 all the way to the top. And I thought about that. I didn't say it to him, but that's the way Coach Wooden taught us. 
You realize, of course, with all due respect, Marcus Johnson and Doug McIntosh, it's not really about the blisters. It's about him teaching you how to prepare. It's about him being more than a coach, but a teacher of life lessons. Here's Sue Enquist, the UCLA softball coach, on the day she realizes that's what you do as a coach. You're a teacher. And it starts with the socks. Number three. Coach never wanted to be considered a coach. He said, I'm a teacher. And that inspired me to want to be more like a teacher and not a yeller. Preparation was the bedrock on which Coach Wooden built his success. In his pregame speeches, he never spoke of victory. Rather, he evoked confidence. His team had already done the hard work leading up to the game in practice. Listen to Jamal Wilkes, who played for Coach Wooden from 71 to 74, and then listen to Roy Williams also talking about the power of socks in the preparation and teaching, which was what, Doc, what Coach John Wooden was really trying to get to in his players. Number four. He simplified everything so that you could do it just by how he defined it and got you to buy into his definitions. Coach Wooden, whether it's trying to make sure you know how to put your socks on to prevent blisters, prevent missed practice time, to what to do with three seconds to go and you've got the ball out of bounds on the sideline. You know, and I think being prepared, uh, that, was, that was the story of Coach Wooden's life, in my opinion. And the story of Coach Wooden's life really came to blossom in 1975 because there was no more Bill Walton. He graduated. There was no more Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The superstars were gone. These principles of teaching, of preparing you, of teaching you how to put your socks on, really came to the height of heights in 1975 because he had a team made up of nobodies. And I don't mean to disrespect them, but they were not the superstars of Bill Walton and Jamal Wilkes. They were gone. Four of the five starters had graduated, but Coach Wooden continued to be the teacher, continued to teach you to prepare, including putting your socks on. And when he talks about that 1975 team that won a championship, that was it. He then realizes, I think it's okay for me to retire. 10 NCAA championships, undefeated seasons. It all came to a head in 1975. And he didn't even realize, I've done it. I've done it with this team. Let's listen to number five. We had lost two superstars from the team the year before, Bill Walton and, and Keith Wilkes, and they were superstars. And we'd also lost our starting guards that had been our starting guards for two years. Now we lost four starters. And uh, how are you going to come back and win with just one returning? And I think I learned as I went along. I think each year I was learning something that helped me in some aspect of the game to be a better coach. I, I really honestly feel that I was a better coach the last year I coached than I was the year before. But the year before, I think I was a better coach than I was the year before and so on. Let's listen to more about this key year in socks, in preparation, in being a teacher, 1975. UCLA Bruins, number seven. Playing without the superstars of previous years, the 1975 UCLA Bruins managed to win a 10th NCAA championship under Coach Wooden. Of all his teams, John Wooden was the proudest of this squad, a group of true underdogs. Unlike previous years, this team had to scratch and claw their way to victory with numerous wins decided within the final moments a testament to the preparation the players received, setting them up for success. The preparation starts with learn how to put your socks on properly. Number eight. This final championship served as an example of Wooden's remarkable success as a leader. People think leadership is holding that championship trophy. And uh, what Coach knew was everything that you received in the limelight was because you did something behind the scenes to make that a reality. He was getting the award as the greatest coach ever. What does he say? He pointed to the boys and said, actually, they deserve the credit 
I just like to think I helped. And the one thing Coach John Wooden could never prepare for was retirement. But when this 1975 team that he did prepare taught him how to put their socks on properly, won that championship 15 minutes before he says the words, he realizes, you know what? I prepared a group of underdogs and they won. My work is done here. And he retires. It's an amazing soundbite. Listen to the thought process explained to us by Coach John Wooden. Number nine. 15 minutes before I decided to retire, I didn't know I was going to retire. I went to the dressing room, congratulated my players on a fine game. I said, I want you to know how proud I am of you. You gave me no problem on or off the court all year long. And that's a pretty nice thing to say about the last team you'll ever coach. Their faces dropped. Ducky almost fainted. My assistants almost fainted. The director tried to spend most of the night talking me out of it. Came as a complete surprise, but we should, because it was a surprise to me. I have no regrets. I knew I was leaving outstanding material for whoever would follow me. And just one of those crazy things that it was the right time. Mm. As he said it best, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. The great coach John Wooden, it started with the socks, the power in teaching those players, I'm your teacher. What about in the world of art? Ah, the greatest display of the power of the principle of socks is in Risky Business, the 1983 breakout film for Tom Cruise. The most memorable scene of him sliding right in front of us to Bob Seger, old time rock and roll sliding the freedom it gave you you can't slide in bare feet you can't slide in shoes but the freedom that paul brickman the director who wrote the script and is directing the movie 19 year old tom cruise pats him on the shoulder and says brickman just leave me alone i'll make this a great movie just let me do my thing let me ad lib let me figure this out and it was tom cruise saying I'm going to use socks to show freedom, freedom to slide and freedom to stop. Let's listen to Tom Cruise teaching us as a 19 year old. He came up with the idea of using socks in the movie. Number one, I just ad libbed that. We just went through it. Yeah, I did. He showed me the opening frame and the composition. He goes, look, how do, you know, and. I tried to go across at one point and I, I, it was too sticky. So what I did was is I dusted the floor and then put stick on the other side so that I would get center frame on that. Right. And then I wore the socks and then that's how I finally did it to figure out how to get that smooth right on, right on the beat kind of flow that, that got me there. And then, and then I just went around the room and, and, and was dancing. And I just, I mean, that's something that I did as a kid at home. Listen to this interview from 1983. He's 19 years old. The movie has just come out. He's, he's a teenager telling you how he appreciates the freedom that he was given to create these scenes, to use the socks. But his background, he's dyslexic. He's not going to college. He's not even taking an acting lesson. This is why his films grossed over $4 billion over the years. He knew what he wanted to do, the freedom to slide, but the power in this Tom Cruise is amazing. No screen test for Risky Business. He's a 19-year-old unknown. Let's go to number two. You screen tested for this, obviously. No. No? No, we just taped. It's just like a little taping, like one of these cameras here. Really, what did they have you do? Uh, well, I was I was doing the outsiders at the time, and I I only had this was my last free time before, you know. I told him I I wouldn't come in to tape for it, and uh, so I flew in late on a Thursday night, and I taped early, like five o'clock in the morning. I met Rebecca on a Friday, and then I had to fly out a couple hours later because I had to work all Friday night. We just got together. I mean, I I came in, I, you know, I still had like my tattoo on my arm and tooth all chipped. My hair is just kind of back. A little greasy and stuff and uh... but it was the director Paul Brickman who gave Tom Cruise 
this young 19-year-old the freedom to do what he needed to do, his instincts. Number three. I just explained to Paul Brickman what I was going to do physically with the character. Um, just so, I mean, he could see, you know, where I was going, my instincts and the choices of the scene. And then visually, you know, I told him would play a big part in the character. So just, I told him, just relax, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable, his instincts. No college, no training. And he has a handicap of dyslexia. Number five. You have, Tom, pretty much learned your craft by doing it. In other words, you have not gone to college. You opted not to do that, right? <clears throat> and uh, I guess you have not been to drama coaches or drama classes, have you? No. So no, you I did one workshop just for a couple months in New York, and that was it. So you're learning by doing. I've been fortunate. I mean, I've been working with really good people. So I, I listen and I watch, and I just learn pick up little tricks as they're going along. And like most things, his acting career started because of an orthopedic injury in wrestling. And he realized, okay, what am I going to do now? Number six. I injured myself in wrestling. It was my senior year. I was living in New Jersey at this point uh, for about a year. And all of a sudden I felt, it just felt right. It felt like something I wanted to do. I'm dyslexic in a structured education for five, six more years was not something I was looking forward to college, so I was going to take time off anyway and just uh, travel around, around the country, around the world, just kind of hang out. Here's where he explains to the interviewer, Bobby Wygant, they just leave me alone. I picked the directors who's going to respect that and let me do my thing. And he's only 19 when he's speaking this way. It's amazing. Number seven. What do directors... Uh... Uh, how do they direct you? Do, do they work with you a lot, or do they pretty much give you rain? Yeah, they leave me alone. <laughs> That's, I mean, a director, uh, a good director will listen, you know, and trust his artists after casting them. Um, I've been fortunate. I've really had a lot of room with the directors that I've worked with, um, with, you know, Paul Brickman and Francis and Becker and, and Chapman, <clears throat> but especially Brick, he really trusted me, and I mean, he wrote and and was directing the film, Risky Business on Paul Brickman, and I mean, it was like we were working on a level of, of not even verbal, it was, it was fantastic. That's the secret, the freedom, the freedom that's sliding in your socks in the movie Risky Business, the freedom that Tom Cruise gets from the director. Socks give you freedom. But socks also allow you to prepare for success. It's the preparation. You put the socks on right in the morning, you're going to have a good day. We learned that from the great coach, John Wooden. Coming up next, we're going to learn about what goes into making socks. They are all about warmth, protection, power. From a woman who started her very own sock company, Tanya Pictor. We'll talk to her coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Google the Guggenheim. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Walking in Memphis. 
Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The great Mark Cone singing about walking in Memphis. Well, if you're walking in Memphis, you better be wearing comfortable socks. And my recommendation is the best socks, Belega socks. And right now we're joined by an expert in Belega socks because she started the company, the great Tanya Pictor. Tanya, thanks so much for being with us this morning. Morning, Dr. Kepa, and thank you so much for inviting me onto your wonderful show. <laughs> what do you think of the idea of socks in sports and socks in art with Tom Cruise and Coach John Wooden? Um, essential stuff. I think it's something <laughs> that a lot of people forget about, and it's something that's definitely essential. Well, I want, and all of us want to know, it's such a beautiful story your business and how you started it. But teach us a little bit first about you. Where did you grow up? What did your mom and dad do for a living? And how did the garment business enter your life? Um, I am proudly South African, um, but proud to be in the States, um, I have to add. Um, I've been very blessed to spend the past 10 years of my life with my husband and my two boys in the States. And we absolutely love um, living and and working here. So it's been a dream to always live here. So, uh, yeah, we've been blessed to spend the last 10 years of our lives here. And how about your um, family? What did they do for a living? Um, my husband and I co-founded Belega. So uh, we started the business um, 17 years ago. Mm. and moved here 10 years ago to further the business um, and to see if we could grow it from from strength to strength. Mm. And at the time of of moving here, um, our two boys were sort of high school age, um, and we brought them with, obviously. Um, My oldest just graduated, and the younger one um, is working. So... My oldest uh, just graduated finance from UNC State. Huh. Tell me, of all the choices you can make, I think Ralph Lawrence started making neckties because getting fabric was difficult uh, starting up, so that required the least amount of fabric uh, making neckties. And then Ralph Lauren became, you know, the superstar that he is. Tell me about socks. Of all the things for you to make, why did you and your husband pick socks? You know, it's a it's a long story. By default, both of our both of us fell into the textile trade. My husband is a lawyer by trade, um, and he kind of stumbled into it. I uh, have a PR and marketing background, and I kind of stumbled into it. And together, we kind of landed in in the textile trade. Um, I've been making socks and designing socks for the past 25 years. So um, socks is pretty much what I know and do. Um, And I think it's one of those things where you just develop an absolute passion and love for it. It's, It's a very understated category, but it's something extremely technical. And if you wear the right sock, um, and pick the right sock. It's something that can create great comfort and great performance, and um, it's something that really makes a difference to your life um, once you actually get into the basics of it. Hmm. I am proud to be wearing your socks right now as we speak, and on the label of your socks, there's five beautiful categories that you want to make sure I understand that you thought about in creating these socks. So I want to go through them, and then I want you to break down why is it so important to you to include these five different thought processes in making socks. Number one, Drynami X. What is that all about? So... We have a proprietary yarn that we actually spin in the United States. Um, we, it was very important for us when we um, started the brand that we wanted to develop our own yarn. Um, we call it Dynamics. It's a modified polyester, so it's a moisture management fiber that we use um, to wick away any moisture to keep feet cool and dry 
um, just to make sure that the, the athlete or the runner or the active person has a comfortable experience all throughout activity. Um, so Dynamics is our proprietary yarn that we spin um, and we send it off to South Africa or to the EU. We are now manufacturing. We traditionally just used to manufacture in North Carolina and South Africa. But because of demand and love for the product, we've opened up manufacturing to the EU and to Turkey as well. Hmm. What exactly is UltraGlide? UltraGlide is one of our latest um, developments. It's a phenomenal product um, that is combined with dynamics and uh, a friction-free yarn. For people that may um, develop overheating or, um, you know, have issues with hot spots or, or excess blistering, um, this yarn just actually brings the heat in your foot down um, and eliminates um, over excess um, heat in your foot that may lead to excess blistering. Um, so for people that are super sensitive to overheating, this is definitely the sock for you. It's a thinner sock. We um, put additional um, padding um, across the heel and the toe and also a, a pad um, across the um, metatarsal pad area where you are prone to additional blistering for extra protection. So UltraGlide is a specific sock developed for people that may find that they are prone to more blistering. Got it. When you think about it, you make a shirt, you make a pair of pants, you make a jacket, but the one garment that actually connects the human being to earth, whether you're wearing shoes, boots, whatever's covering your feet, sneakers, but what actually is the buffer, the connection between your skin and the earth is the socks. So you have to be thinking about blistering and moisture and, and fit way more in a sock versus a shirt or a pair of pants or another garment. It's more challenging, correct? Um, all the time. That's, that's where we start our, that's our philosophy around design. Uh, we believe our socks are an interface between foot and shoe. Um, out of all the sock vendors, I think we design our socks a little bit different. We would uh, lock in the heel, lock in the midfoot, and leave the toes free to move. So our philosophy is very much based on shoe design. Mm. Um, it's important for us that you have the freedom to move. And if you look at the shoe design, the toe boxes are much larger nowadays, um, where it's more important for toes to have freedom of movement. Mm. When so patients come to see me, Tanya, when, as an orthopedic surgeon, very often I'll be seeing patients because their knee hurts, their ankle, their hip, whatever. And I'm, you know, that's what I do as an orthopedic surgeon is relieve pain that occurs in the musculoskeletal system. But oftentimes I'm asked about bunions. Why are they getting a bunion? And what I'll do is I'll have them stand on, stand straight up in front of me and I'll take a piece of paper and have them stand on a piece of paper. I'll then take a marking pen with them standing in front of me, I'm sitting down, and I'll just gently take the marking pen on the outside of their foot and make essentially an outline holding tight the pen to the skin of their, their arch, their big toe, all their toes, their fifth toe, and I make them now stand away from the piece of paper and look at the outline I just made of their bare foot. I will then take their shoe and put it on top of the outline and they will then see that when they stand, their foot widens and splays farther than the very shoe that they're wearing. And then they, yeah. I say to them, now you know why you're getting a bunion because you're forcing yeah. this splayed foot of yours into this tiny, too tiny, of a toe box of the shoe. And that's when you see the light bulb go off in their head. Hey, maybe the shoes I'm wearing are leading to the bunion that I'm developing. So you are looking at this same principle, I guess, in the creation of the sock as a way of almost helping someone avoid a bunion. 
correct. And then, you know, people, it's, it's very interesting because there's no science around um, cushioning levels on socks. Um, we have found over years and years that it's, it's really personal. Um, you know, athletes, crew athletes or elite racing athletes might prefer a thinning, thinner sock for racing. But, it, but when it comes to the mid-pack, it's really, really personal. So people might find different volumes of socks to fill up um, volume in their shoes. But for the average person, it really is a personal thing. So they might want a thinner sock or a slightly cushioned sock um, to fill a gap in a shoe, and that serves a purpose purpose as such. But um, at the end of the day, you know, you have people that like a thinner sock or a more cushioned sock, and it just becomes a comfort thing. Um, Mm. At the end of the day, everybody kind of likes what they like um, and therefore you need to have a host of products available for people to like um, what they wear in their shoes. I love the fact that you play around with your company, Belega Socks, B-A-L-E-G-A, with color. Is there, have you found over the years, is there a color that people prefer more than any other color or are most people up for wearing blue or green or yellow socks? I think Belega has become known for their color and and our, our loyal customers love the color. But interestingly enough, the most popular color is still white. Um, <laughs> and people buy a lot of white socks. <laughs> I guess that's how you can tell if it's gotten dirty and it's time to put it in the laundry for those of us who resist crazy things like that. That's amazing. I think a good pair of white socks is always a firm favorite. So, um, <laughs> well, how can people get a hold of your socks, Tanya? Let's before I let you go. Not at all. Uh, we sell um, through all uh, specialty run stores, independent run stores, um, REI, Dex, um, Athleta, um, Amazon. Uh, yeah. So any accredited um, run specialty um, retailer where you could find us, um, yeah. Uh, Are any of your two boys going to go into the business with you and your husband? I don't think so. I think they enjoy <laughs> wearing proper socks, and I think that's as far as it goes. Yeah, they're they're wearing their socks running as far as they can from the garment business. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. It's just awesome to know how successful this has become because of the preparation and the hard work that you put in behind the scenes. It's not luck. Luck has nothing to do with this. It's your preparation. And that's why you make such a fantastic product. Your socks are incredible. And I can say that because I've been blessed to be able to wear them. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us this morning, Tanya. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Clapper, and a happy new year to you and to all the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Tanya Pictor from Balega Socks. Let me tell you, you want to wear a good pair of socks? Check them out. All right, coming up next, I'll take your calls. We'll do some Clapper vision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I want to talk about a patient I saw this week who had his meniscus repaired by someone else and what I had to do to help him because the repair did not work. Why do you repair a meniscus? How do you repair a meniscus? And why should you not repair the meniscus? I'll explain coming up next on the Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Just walking with my feet 10 feet off a beam Walking in Memphis But do you really feel the way I feel? Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar sinai head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai 
What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. I got two words for you. Forget about it. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You got the little buzzer, the red light, green light buzz. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. God, listening to Kobe Bryant's voice. We're now entering January which is the month that he passed away, and I still cannot believe it. And as long as we're still on the air, Steve Paulette and I are going to keep running the promo he did for this show. May you rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Boy, do we miss you. All right, let's open the clinic. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Tim in Laverne. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Good morning, um, Tim. Was, How old are you? What yeah, do you do for a living? Um, go ahead. How old are you and what do you I'm do for 50, a living? I'm a salesman and I'm 57. What do you sell? So what What happened, I was in a car accident. I was hit from the back. Tim, what do you sell? So, what kind of salesman? What, auto sales. No cars. I'm in auto sales. Go ahead. Okay. How can I help? Okay, I was hit from the back in a, on the 605 freeway mm-hmm. by a truck, went through all the treatments through the doctors, had the injections in the back, had them in the neck, and now mm-hmm. my neck hurts when I, turn, when I have to drive and turn too many times. I also drive Uber, and I was driving Uber at the time, and now when I do do it, let's say for a period of time of three, four hours, my neck starts to hurt the next day. It really hurts, and I could just hear the bones crack in my neck. And my doctor suggested that I have surgery. And I would no. like your opinion on that. You know, and you listen to the show, you know what Clapper Vision is? Did we lose him? All right. Tim is driving, obviously, and uh, we lost his cell phone. What The best way that I can help Tim and anybody else is... In the, what you hear me do each and every Saturday, being a good doctor means you have to listen. You have to take a history. So when someone says their neck hurts, forget about all the noise it makes. Cracking your knuckles does not damage your joints. So clicking and popping and all that is not anything for you all ever to worry about. Noise alone is not a sign of trouble. What is a sign of trouble is pain. Limited motion, swelling, these are things that represent that there's trouble going on. But noise itself is not anything to worry about. But if it's associated with pain, swelling, or limited motion, that's a different story. So you want to take a good history. And when someone complains about their neck, you got to ask them, does that pain radiate? Does it go into your shoulder? Does it go into your elbow? Does it go into your fingers? Then you get to be more specific. Which fingers do you feel the pain? Do you feel numbness? Do you feel tingling? Is there weakness? What is sleeping like? Does it affect you at night? What positions do you turn your head in and you have more pain? Taking a good history is is really half the way to making the diagnosis. Then the physical exam. There are certain parts of the physical exam for someone with neck pain that you have no control over. Your reflexes, measuring for atrophy that the muscles are literally shrinking in your arm. It's true, if you're a righty versus lefty, you're gonna have a bigger arm if you're a righty, right arm and right forearm, because you use it all the time. But if there's significant atrophy, if you take a measurement of someone who's right-hand dominant and you find that their left arm is bigger, literally measuring the girth of the muscle with a ruler, your arm or your forearm, and the non-dominant side is bigger than the dominant side, that's an objective finding. That's significant. Reflexes you have no control over. Atrophy you have no control over. But... The other part of the physical exam is 
how you move the neck and how it causes pain. So for you to look straight at me and touch your chin to your chest and take your neck and now look at the ceiling, that's flexion and extension of your neck. If you now look straight at me and I tell you, drop your ear to your shoulder and now do the other side, okay, that is lateral bending to the right and to the left. Two more planes of freedom. And finally, if I now looking straight at you, ask you to rotate your head and look to the side and look to the other side, that's rotation. So looking to the right, looking to the left, those are two planes of freedom. Nodding your, your head yes and no, that's two more planes of freedom. And lateral bending is two more. So there are six planes of freedom movement that your head makes through your neck in terms of range of motion. If you can exacerbate the pain and the numbness and tingling by certain maneuvers of bending and rotating, that tells me a lot in the physical exam beyond the reflexes, beyond how strong your muscles are. These are very important features to the physical exam. So you got the history we just talked about, the physical exam. And there are other very elegant ways of using the reflex hammer. Everybody focuses on banging with the hammer side of the reflex hammer to see if involuntarily you'll see the reflex cause the arm or the knee or the ankle to move. But don't forget the other end of the reflex hammer. Make sure your doctor is using that other end of the reflex hammer. Where? To literally make you take your, even though it's your neck, they better take your shoes and socks off and have you sitting on the exam table and scrape the, the other end of the reflex hammer along the bottom of your foot because I need to see if your toe goes up or it goes down. Because believe it or not, even though it's your big toe that I'm looking at, it tells me a lot about what's happening to the spinal cord and the discs in your neck. So the history, a really good physical exam, where you're asked, do you feel this? Does, do two of your thumbs feel the same when I touch them? Or do you feel it more on one side versus the other, versus your index finger, versus your little finger? You wanna compare both sides, because if you say I feel it more on one side versus the other, then you're implicating the disc, the spinal cord, and the nerve itself. The next thing you need to look at is an X-ray. And that then leads you to either a CAT scan or an MRI. I hate cortisone shots. You listen to this show for 10 years, you're going to hear me yell and scream about it constantly because I'm not interested in masking the pain. Yeah, now I don't have pain anymore because you made it numb. I don't want the drug to make it numb. I want the treatment to get you to have less pressure on the nerve so that's why the numbness goes away, not artificially with a shot or a pill. Is it helpful to use them? Yes, sometimes it is. But as a treatment plan, I always prefer to be holistic. My favorite way to treat degenerative discs and problems in your neck is swimming. The weightlessness of being in the water, the resistance on your muscle, these to me are my favorite. Taking a caller who's riding can drop off, can be a problem like we just saw with Tim. So if you do call in and you are driving, you wanna make sure you pull over so we can have a chat so that we don't have someone fall off. But I hope that helps you understand the thinking in terms of how I would work someone up who says that their neck hurts. This is the right way to do it, not blast you with numbing shots and pills without really focusing in on how to be holistic. Again, other people have their opinion, they're entitled to their way of treating people. It's just not the way I prefer to do it. All right, coming up next, our last segment, I wanna talk about next week, and I have to tell you where the best tortilla soup is in Los Angeles. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.
Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly here, Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. It's Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. The best entertainer. Forget going to the movies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. So the Clapper was looking at the flapper. Can you imagine how cool that was? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Got two eyes of lovely blue. Cute little pug nose, I go far too. Though you're the best of all the batch, tain't no use, son, cause your socks don't match. <laughs> I love it. The great Bing Crosby and Louis Jordan. Your socks don't match. That's exactly right. Who'd we watch wearing, uh, I think it was one of the Rams players, wearing a red shoe and a green shoe on Christmas Day. I forgot who it was. But, yeah, why do the, why do the socks have to be the same color? Why do your shoes have to be matching? Live a little. Wear different color ones. I think that would be a great idea. I definitely want to uh, pay my respects and dedicate this show to one of my teachers. Um, his name is one of the most famous surgeons who I studied under, and his name was Larry Dorr, Dr. Lawrence Dorr. After I finished my training at the Hospital for Special Surgery, I came to Curl and Job, um, and Dr. Dorr was working with uh, Dr. Curlin and Dr. Job at the time on East Hardy Street, where their clinic was at Centinella Hospital. This is a million years ago. This is 1988. And... Uh, I learned so much from him, but mostly what I learned was I could be myself rather than hiding behind a white coat. He taught me so many things in the operating room that I still use to this day. And uh, my heart goes out to him and his, his family, but he, he's a big part of who I am, the great Larry Doran. He passed away uh, this week. Um, may he rest in peace. And let's talk a little bit about next week. Next week, my guest is going to be the great Ben Lyons, and I want to talk to him about movies. He's been on many times on the show over the years. His expertise is that connection between sports and movies, and I'm fascinated when I think about it. My favorite team are the Lakers. My favorite movie is The Godfather, and it's interesting when I think about it that starting the Lakers how did Dr. Buss, who just got the team from Jack Kent Cook, draft Magic Johnson? How did he do that? Making the impossible happen. And in making the graduate, Francis Ford Coppola read the book that millions of people read, written by Mario Puzo. And he so wanted to have Marlon Brando as the godfather. But the studio said, um, absolutely not. You're not allowed to. He's a troublemaker. We want nothing to do with him. And how he ultimately pulled it off. The analysis of this movie by critics like Ben Lyons never ceases to amaze me because it is, in my opinion, one of the greatest movies that ever made. But it almost didn't happen. Dr. Buss buying the team the Lakers aren't going to go anywhere unless you have a superstar. But believe me, just like they blocked the, the Chris Paul trade, they're not letting us get a superstar like Magic Johnson. How exactly did Dr. Buss pull it off? The world of sports, the world of art, the similarities between that movie and this team is very similar. And so I can't wait to get into it. Ben Lyons will be my guest next week. And as far as the soup, I've been surfing all week. It's been freezing. But there's nothing like coming home to a bowl of hot soup. You all get to pick your favorites. But for me, there's nothing like tortilla soup. 
it basically tastes like you took a, a bean and chicken enchilada and threw it in the blender with some chicken stock. That would be probably all that you need to do, but I'm sure there's a lot more going on when you make it. How much chicken should be floating in it? How many tortillas should be floating in it? The cheese is key. And the spice. Do you add tapatio to the soup? Or do you just order it spicy? The kettle has always been my favorite place to go for a bowl of chicken tortilla soup. My mouth is watering already. I don't even know if I'll be able to get through this story without slurping. But lately, we've discovered, my wife has discovered the best chicken tortilla soup that you can get in Los Angeles. And for me, it's from Gelson's. There's Gelson's in your area. You'll find it in the soup section, in a container. It's a homemade soup. Trust me, you bring that home. And I actually pour a lot of tapatio into my chicken tortilla soup. You don't need a cracker because you got the tortillas already floating in the soup. You want to add some cheese? You can, but I'm pretty sure there's cheese already melting and floating in that soup. But the best chicken tortilla soup that I've ever had is from Gelson's. Make sure you get some. And I really, I don't know, I just can't stop thinking about Dr. Dorr and all that he meant to me. And one of the things that he's allowed, that he allowed me to do, I'll explain is the big the big rage now is to use robots and computer navigation in doing surgery but it was larry door who made it clear to me that you can actually navigate using the patient's own anatomy to teach you the right way to do it it's almost like my dad teaching me as a the son of a carpenter to measure twice cut once larry door was that connection between carpentry and surgery for me that I could measure twice, cut once, but to be observant to the anatomy that I was seeing that was so destroyed by the arthritis. But he's the one who taught me how to use the anatomy to find the normal anatomy and go with that. And each of us are built differently. With that in mind, I leave you with volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Rest in peace, Larry Dorr, and I'll see you guys on the radio. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Page.